Can I sit down? It's a nice place you've got here, Mr. Donkey. So, Finn? Yes? Just before we start proper, just thought I'd let you in on what my, what I plan for the intro is. All right. So what I'm going to do... Okay, so I just got to let you know, I believe uh, last episode... Uh, well, the, the 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 last episode that, that I've listened to, uh, your intro was sixteen minutes long. So yep. I think you got you got to beat that. Um, I'm aiming for something. It's going to be beautiful, right. uh, complex. It's going to involve and evolve uh, in ways that I like haven't really been seen before hmm. in introductions. But um, I don't have time to do it right now. So what I what I will do um, is that I'll record it later or get the footage, the audio footage, yes. the tape later, uh, and then we'll go back and um, put it back in. Um, or we'll cover the gap with something. But so, okay, so do you, do you want to get just a bunch of like uh, sounds of me yeah. going, hmm? Yeah, yeah, mm. that's good. Um, no, and- I disagree with that. That <laughs> is... <laughs> That is not supported by the text at all. I feel like um, if you give me a couple, like, uh, laughs, like... Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. Um, it, I am very funny. And like, oh, have we hit the hour mark of this intro? Uh, if this was a piece of art, it would be a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah, obviously, I will use it to introduce the themes of the two films we watched this week. Um, Partie de Cha- oh, Partie de Campagne. Partie de Campagne. Uh, a Day in the Country um, by old, I want to say Louis Benwell. Oh my nope. God. Jean Renoir. Jean Renoir. The Louis Benwell of, uh, anyway. No. Nope. Um, uh, v- v- very, very dissimilar. And uh, uh, um, we'll talk about that. We'd introduce the themes, the fact that it's an incomplete film that it they didn't. Certainly is. Um, they they own that up front, and, and also uh, the 2017 uh, Michael Fassbender mystery, um, the Snowman. Yeah. No, the Snowman. Um, well, I'm I'm still unsure on whether that's the title or if the film has a title at all, as we'll get back to. Um, uh, introducing how that. Uh, something like they didn't film something like 20 percent of the script of that film and they had to desperately kind of scramble at the last minute uh to put it all together uh and i'm looking forward to doing all of that work on my yeah, intro no, uh, be, later. Be exciting. I, hope, I hope circumstances don't get in the way so what i'll just do um for now we'll start the recording okay um with and that's my intro and you'll be like oh i cannot believe that that five hours into this podcast You've lifted the veil. There were moments of that that were more touching than uh, the, you know, armpit bit of portrait <laughs> or, um, uh, you know, that's the most touching that exists in a film, right? Oh, and like a lot of short bus. Well, I don't know what that is. Short bus is the John Cameron Mitchell film um, uh, that he made in like, 2003, 2004, 2005, which oh, okay. is about sex and is full of unsimulated sex. Right. Um, you, 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 you could also go with the film Stranger by the Lake. 
as a French uh, queer erotic thriller, oh, cool. which is uh, like, I'd say like uh, 10% uh, thriller, sort of uh, another 10% of it is like conversations between an older and a younger gay man about like what were about like their, their different experiences of, of being gay in, in France. I mean, uh, about 80% of it is, uh, is literally just unsimulated uh, gay sex scenes. Um, and like the, 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 the first one happens and you're like, okay, that, that might be a fake penis. And then uh, <laughs> he starts coming and you're like, oh, okay, no, no, it's a real penis. Um, there, uh, while uh, we were talking about what film we should pair with uh, a day in the country, one of the films I wanted to pitch is called, uh, uh, it's a French film that's called like Theo and Hugo from two to 4am. Yeah. And, um, uh, 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 and but what I I couldn't remember the title of it just like now and so to pitch it I had to Google for it and, and I learned how quickly Google's algorithms work because it took one time googling gay sex <laughs> French film at night uh, for my <laughs> for my for my recommended ads to be sex aids and sleep aids <laughs> so that's my intro. <laughs> So is that your second intro, or is that is that part of is that an addendum to the first intro? No, no, no. When I say, and that's my intro, we will start recording, and then the audience, we, the audience <laughs> won't hear. It would be foolish of us to rely uh, to construct this. Okay, so we're already eight and a half minutes. <laughs> I want <laughs> look. <laughs> T for tangent. Time out of the game. We're breaking keyfabe here. A large part of the concept of this intro was, I was like, what's a nice short intro I can do? <laughs> You're the one that brought up gay French cinema. Look, look you know, I, I, I shouldn't have got you started. It's my fault. Um, no, but so I, I'll say that's my intro. Uh, and then you react like there's been an intro. Then we'll just go, we can do some more chat. Um, and then we'll, the podcast will start. Because if we had to include this, the if we have to include this in the podcast, you know something's gone wrong. Yeah, clearly at some stage of production, someone said we just need to get that out of the door. Um, oh, quite a lot like <laughs> a day in the country and the snowman. Um, it's his job, and so that's my intro. Hey, great, great job! <laughs> I, I man, I worked the sonnet. I worked very hard on it. Yeah, no, I, I was, I was, I was, I was deeply impressed by that. Did you notice that it was alternating lines from a day in the country in the snowman? Uh, no, I, I didn't. But it, it, it does make sense now. But like, that half of it was about how women are evil for having abortions, and half of it was in French. And, and that I constantly referred to the to the reader, the subject of the mm. sonnet, as either Mister Police or Mister Donkey. <laughs> So how you doing, Finn? Welcome to the podcast. Just beginning it now. I'm I'm doing okay. I had an acceptable vindaloo last night, so I'm I'm still still coasting off of that. Uh, what protein do you have in that? Beef. I had a beef vindaloo. Ooh, I like how chicken disappears when you get real spicy, and you're like, oh, the pretense is gone. This is just self harm. <laughs> I en- I enjoy. You know how you get like how there are those tapes that you can. <laughs> Get that are like, or like now YouTube compilations that are like worst car accidents. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or like 
kick-ass stunts gone wrong. Yeah, or or there's that TV show was like destroyed in seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I very much feel that Chicken Vindaloo is the food version of that. No, that seems very disrespectful. Yeah, um, a little bit. No, but I, it, it's the spice thing. It's like, <laughs> how do you think? What do you think happens to lead to those people who are like? All I care about now is like capsaicin levels. And I've okay, not well, eaten a meal if I'm not crying and vomiting. Okay, so you you are currently talking to someone who owns multiple bo- bottles of ghost pepper sauce like right now. Uh, okay, so then it's no longer hypothetical. No, yeah, you are talking to an expert. Here's the thing. Uh, I've 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 got to feel something. <laughs> Yeah, okay. And uh that's that's the way I'm currently uh uh that's why I'm currently uh doing that. Oh, uh, okay. No, I, I, that's fair, that's understandable. Yeah, is I, I four or five times a day I will set my mouth on fire. <laughs> <laughs> like you are a killer in Hannibal. Yeah. I was like I, I basically I can't I can't cook for other people anymore because <laughs> the stuff I make is just like so deeply like unpleasant. Like so if I'm cooking pasta or like if people in my house having pasta uh, i have to make my i have to make my own separate pasta (laughs) i just want you to take a moment and reflect that you referred to your culinary taste just now as deeply unpleasant (laughs) well i'm I'm trying to get inside like the the the, the, like minds of other people Uh, all right you're a food psychopath yeah i'm I'm, I'm trying to view myself from their perspective yeah a psychopath sympathy game what i do when i'm cooking pasta is first of all you get the water boiling very important. Then I pour in so much salt that the water changes color. Then I pour in uh, so much ground black pepper that the water turns black. And then I pour in so much cayenne pepper that the water turns rust colored. And then I overcook the pasta. What? <laughs> if, if the overcooking is usually an yeah. accident. But, and uh, then you add other things to the pasta, right? Oh, yeah. No, yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> look, look oh, oh, I want you to... You need to start... Uh, uh, I, I, I don't just eat pain pasta. <laughs> But that has not been, you can't be like, so what I do when I'm cooking is the first thing I have to do is make something that it, it make water opaque, <laughs> like uh, I'm poisoning someone. Oh, no, it, 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 the water that I cook food in yeah. looks like oh. a particularly expressive artist's idea of a polluted river. <laughs> You, yeah, I need you to reflect on that. I'm no nutritionist, but is what you're doing, have you just described me like a long-form suicide attempt? Like that Chris Morris sketch about a guy who threw himself off the first floor balcony. (laughs) Yeah. Are you doing that, but with just like... Well, I mean, as, as long as we're, we're talking about like food suicide, I have made multiple of uh, made multiple of Stuart Wellington's uh, famous uh, uh, suicide sandwich. What is the suicide? The suicide sandwich is uh, it, it, it is a burger, but the, the, the uh, uh, but instead of uh, instead of like buns, uh, you have a uh, grilled cheese sandwiches. Uh, so like the the the, the bottom bun uh, um, is a uh, you have like a sort of like heavy bread you know lots, yeah. lots of grains and stuff in there uh, and you you just fill it with uh, you fill it with brie I mean you you you, fr- you fry you fry that in butter yeah I mean you take another you take another sandwich with a different sort of cheese. You fry that in butter as well, yeah. and then in the middle, I have uh, uh, I have uh, two uh, wagyu beef patties. <laughs> Okay. And uh, then I feel sick for about a day. I, yeah. 
like enjoy doing that while you can. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, the, the, like I'm, I'm well aware. Of, like this is something that a 23 year old can do and, and sort of th- recover from. That uh, I will not be able to in a, in a few years, probably. I just uh, there are going to be long term impacts. On oh you. no, sure. I mean, I, I, I have. I, I have a terrible, I have a terrible diet. Okay. I either don't eat for a day, or I eat uh, the things I just described to you. Hello and welcome to Shark and Sound, a podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then follow it up with a critically revival film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors, or director. We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode, we're watching number 90 on the Sight and Sound list, Jean Renoir's Party de Campagne, 40 minutes of the most French shit imaginable. Our second film this week was The Snowman, a film that attempts to emulate what it feels like to watch a movie while sleeping. Yeah, you're right. The snowman is good. <laughs> if this, if that is genuinely the snowman's artistic goal, it has succeeded. Uh, so yeah, my partner Briar just came in, grinning and holding a dark package in a way that is quite sinister. Oh, while you're here, Briar. So Finn, do you remember how uh, last week we did a joke about uh, defrauding an old woman? Um, I, yeah, I recounted that joke to Briar and she was actively angry about it. <laughs> okay. I, but I feel like in the context of that joke, that, that joke was about what we think like morning zoo radio is like, right? It's not, we weren't like, if you're in, Okay. <sighs> Dear listeners, I respect the community you've built and you support me so much. And I know that easily defrauded elderly women are a core part of our audience. And I love and respect that as I do all easily defrauded people. I made a joke that was unthinking and I promise to do better. I've donated... I mean, all, all, all of that, that, that joke isn't in the episode, so it's fine. <laughs> I like that joke. Well, yeah, but like, so we're, we, we, we had to like reset the entire episode last week. So like, we, 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 we did like an eight minute introduction. Yeah. And then, and then we both agreed, no, we're starting this again. And then we did a new introduction. And we, 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 we referenced that, but oh, didn't actually do it again. Oh, that's, it's because it's, it's still in the recording. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just yet to be cut. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, um, dear listeners, I retract my prior apology. If you're an old woman out there, I'm looking forward to defrauding you. (laughs) And towards this goal, I've donated to a charity of my choice, which was a Nigerian (laughs) prince who emailed me. As I was saying, um, yeah, food for me is less about creating torturous concoctions. Well, it's it's not, like, actually, I enjoy it, though. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. uh, Uh, But I'm just well aware, but, like, no no one else would. Oh, yeah, no, I, I... 
I'm in fact in a similar vein. Yeah, uh, as maybe not as hardcore as you. I, I, every time I, t- I make a sandwich, I put three different sorts of hot sauce on it. Yeah, I mean, and that makes you happy. Uh, <laughs> if that doesn't even make you happy, um, but yeah, for me, it's less about food and more about location. Yeah. Um, for instance, uh, in the Jean Renoir film, well, it's it's interesting because yeah. Day in the Country, which is kind of about a picnic, yeah. uh, in a way. It's it's only 40 minutes long. It starts with a title that says, we did not shoot everything. The director had to go to America, and so <laughs> yeah. we just didn't make the rest of a movie. Uh, here's what we've got. Uh, and, but it also says, like, we have not interfered in any way. Yeah. Which, does that mean this is, like, literally every inch of footage they shot? Surely not. It might just be, like, what they'd edited when Renoir left. Oh, yeah. And the, they added some intertitles to set up the film, yeah. which I presume was intended to be a, a film sequence. Mm. Of, and there's a time dash later. Oh, there are several time dashes later, but there's one that's especially marked by, by an intertitle. And so, uh, once again, like my favorite film, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, we start with another introduction card, which uh, introduces... They did speak... <laughs> <laughs> yeah it starts the dead speak exclamation mark or like um w- the beginning of uh revenge of the sits is isn't it just war <laughs> exclamation mark or like it's war yeah war time introduces us to to this family this guy that runs a hardware store um which was a very odd choice of uh, i presume it's like a tool, tool and wood yeah it's a, it's a mitre 10 mega but yeah it's so like lower middle class sort of existence yeah his wife their daughter his apprentice who is to be his son-in-law yeah which is it's he's introduced in these terms in this opening thing which raises an interesting question over the whole thing because you don't like the, the son-in-law whose name is Anatole um, uh, throughout uh, kind of sits under the weight of this fact that he's, he's been labeled as the future son-in-law and you can't kind of tell how present that is within the film. The film is always kind of re- starting with a statement like that. It's always kind of retrospective and that we kind of know where where things are going, because it does not seem that him uh, and Henrietta, the daughter, they don't seem to be in a relationship no. at, at this point. But I think like, this movie is very much released. It's very much trying to be about like the weight of expectations that, that society places on on women, especially like in, in regards like how how they can interact with men and the, the sort of like ways of, that like women are, are are constrained by those expectations. Yeah. Um, and you see that across the, uh, the the third female character in the film, female, the third woman in the film, woman. Uh, there's just no, because <laughs> both uh, the, the third woman, um, which is my sequel to the third man. Oh yeah, it, uh, it's exactly the same film, but I've filmed the scream with face app. Oh, okay. I thought uh, you were just going to say... Johnny, we change Harry Lyon's name. I just went back in time, and uh, I, I just went up to Gallery and said, what if What if Joseph Cotton was wearing a wig the whole time? Um, and then Carol Reed said, oh, by Joe, that's incredible. Uh, but then Carol Reed also said, what a brilliant idea. That would still make the film The Third Man, as Joseph Cotton does not play the scene. Yeah, third man. I, I know. Look, look I, I just wanted to reference any character from The Third Man, yeah. and... Uh, you know, I, I, I picked for I picked for wrong one, obviously. Oh, yeah. Joseph Cotton, by far and away the most famous actor in the Third Man. Yeah, no, I've, look, look. All right, here's the people who are in the Third Man. Yeah, Joseph Cotton, Alida Valley, Trevor Howard, 
no one else. <laughs> yeah. Um, I look. I, I think there's a cat at one point. The cat runs away, and someone picks up the cat. No idea who that is. Um, you know, we've been talking about what we should pair with Citizen Kane, hmm. uh, and you know that animated film that came out that doesn't have a director. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we should do that. Um, <laughs> uh, no, we we know it. We know what we're pairing up. We're not going to tell you though, because we're teasers. The third woman in the family, in in this group that's going out, the shopkeeper's wife's mother. Yeah. So you you get three generations going from Paris. They're city folk. They're mm. Parisians. All the uh, the local people um, are like, oh look, the Parisians are on their way. No, I, bet, gonna... I bet they want to have lunch. Yeah. No. No. We'll, we'll, we'll give them the shitty fish. Those yeah. losers. Um. Yeah. It's uh, almost verbatim, and it's interesting how these three women are kind of seen through the film because um henrietta the daughter is the closest thing the film has to a fully realized character i think mm. by quite a wide margin um there's a wonderful scene okay so oh i realize we haven't gone into the plot here's the plot family from town comes out uh they want to have a picnic they find a, a fish restaurant and they're like oh we can go fishing uh let's get some food they have a picnic then two guys who hang out at the restaurant two lascivious Frenchman. Now, every stereotype. This could be the film that invented everything that we know about France to this day. There are there are no berets and there are no baguettes. Okay, no, that, but that's apart fair. Apart from that, but, but like there are scenes in this movie where a French man with a big moustache and a striped shirt is smoking a cigarette while thinking about seducing a man's daughter. And we like it's 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 everything that's it's everything you associate with French culture. Uh, and we meet that guy eating a meal, and of course, as a moustachioed gentleman myself, and speaking to a a, 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 a lip caterpillar haver, mm. um, as we all know, he wears a moustache guard he he certainly does which um is like you know the masks we all have to wear now that aren't metaphorical it's like a very small version of that that's how french this film is um but anyway these two guys are like look at this young woman she's attractive i'd like to upskirt her um uh, that's pretty much verbatim dialogue yeah no she she's on a swing and she's standing this is one of the things that the restaurant advertises you know like restaurant fishing swing and then out, out the back there are, there are like a couple swings and as soon as they get to the restaurant the, the, uh, the, the, the mother and the daughter both get on the swings and start yep. being pushed on the swings and the daughter is standing up on the swing yep. and these two men are like inside looking at it through a window and be like oh it would be much more interesting view if she was sitting down um, <laughs> and yeah it, uh, it's gross they're gross the film doesn't like them no one likes them yeah. um, and so we kind of cut between uh, this family going about their business and like getting ready for the picnic and then a time dash and they've had their picnic, they're having a nap. There's also just like a couple of scenes where the grandmother just sort of walks yeah. off and she's just sort of gone for a while. Well, yeah, that, that's... Like, oh, she, she just she just walked off in the, into the woods with... And she, she's she's like kind of, kind of senile and she's dead. Yeah. And she just walks off into the woods and then she's just gone for a lot of the movie. Well, uh, and we don't... Yeah, we don't see her. Mm. Uh, uh, again, after that point, she she's stroking a cat. She goes to chase the cat and goes away. And it, and it's because kind of the the three stages of womanhood presented by the film um, 
are played in three kind of slightly different registers in that, you know, this is 1936. So it has sync sound, but aesthetically in terms of grain and frame rate and, and a, some, but not all of the framing, it looks like a silent film. Yeah, and like it, also in the makeup and the performances that the actors are giving makes it seem like, like a silent film as well. And it is that the mother and the father, uh, Anatole, the, the future son-in-law, mm. are kind of almost Chaplin characters. The father throughout the film, without seeming to drink on screen, becomes more and more like he's just Oliver Hardy. He's just Fatty Arbuckle. Yeah. Like this this chubby man sweating and falling over, and, and, and his wife is kind of a balance to that. Yeah. Um, There's a part later on in the movie where he's like, just like trying to do, he's like trying to do pull-ups. Yeah. And... And just seems to be having a real difficult time with it. Yeah, uh, the, those three, the, the mother, the father, and the son-in-law, are very much kind of like a, a trinity of clowns, of silent mm. movie clowns. Um, and the grandmother, at least to my eye, is a comment on that by going like, oh, if this is, if you become more silly, if you become more clownish as you grow old, there is a point where that stops being funny because the grandmother is in, is like a stereotype dotty grandmother yeah we're introduced by being like oh where am i oh we've gone for a picnic she's always mishearing things and misunderstanding mm. things she looks for the cat and it's never like it is it's in a very broad way it's a very broad performance but it never feels especially comic to me because i think what uh old uh johnny wren is doing is being like look this is we can laugh at this when we're this age but like there is a tragedy yeah. as we grow old. The, there's just this real sense of like she cannot really like interact with anyone else anymore. Yeah, like, the the person she has the closest relationship with is a cat she finds mm. and, and the cat does not care about her and just leaves, which is you know, like we have to believe some of us that cats care about us, but this cat um doesn't uh and yeah then the rest of the plot is uh after they've had their picnic these two guys uh run a little pickup artist con to um separate the women so like, how, how many movies we've watched so far have like pickup artistry stuff in them oh like all of them yeah i think i think all of them i feel like definitionally like narrative conflict kind of always starts as negging <laughs> and we get yeah. to watch a film without conflict oh what was it called? The Jesus God killing himself. Oh, uh, uh, coming. Begotten. Begotten. You, you, you yeah. were so proud of yourself for remembering the name of it. <laughs> and I was wrong. Yeah. I remembered the name I misremembered. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe a begotten. Um, but what the, and then, yeah, they run a con where they, uh, they give the guys some fishing rods and they're like, oh, go fishing. They've wanted to be fishing the whole time and then send them up the lake. And so they, they take the women into the skiffs and one of the guys then lasers moves on the daughter, on yeah. Henrietta. And while, 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 while the other one like chases the mother around a tree doing a sort of tree dance. Yeah. Which is, uh, man, like that, that's got to be one of the top five tree dances in all of cinema, right? Um, it, it, it's good. If we had not seen Seventh Seal recently, <laughs> like it would be in my upper pantheon of people pranking about in the forest. Yeah. But Seventh Seal, him climbing that tree and, and, and then, then death I mean, turning up yeah. with the saw um, is... is by far and away the, the, no, the head that's, of the line. That's fair, yeah. Um, but it is, you know, I feel like uh, both Renoir and Bergman would be uh, happy with that comparison. Yeah, no, I, I think um, so. 
And, and yeah, one of the guys hits on the daughter. I say hits on. He unbidden puts his arms around her and tries to cuddle up to her, and she's obviously uncomfortable yeah. about it. And uh, he does as well, be like looking up at, 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 at looking up at a nightingale in the branch of a tree. Yeah, in, in a shot which I'm I'm pretty sure opening of Twin Peaks has the, the shot of the bird on a branch. Right, I it might be so, both. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it, it, a bird it, it, on a branch through leaves feels like a very Lynchian image. Yeah, yeah, it, like, um, yeah. It, it's this image which, like, I, I can't remember specifically where Lynch has used it, but like, it feels like this is something that, that David Lynch has has definitely used before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, then he tries to to kiss her, and she doesn't like it. Um, no, but it, it does feel it does feel like old movie thing where like a man is like trying to kiss a woman, and she's like pushing him away, and then. And then she like decides. Actually, you know what? I'm you know I I really do want to kiss him, and she kisses him. And I think in this movie, which is trying to like say something about the like ways that women are constrained by society, I think that there there is an argument to be made. It's not like he's totally just like pressuring her into giving in. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like she she is pushing back at first because she feels like she has to, but then she finally gives into what she feels like she wants to do. But I don't know. It always feels gross when that sort of stuff happens in this move in these sorts of movies. Well, and it, it feels like at best a 1930s idea of what feminism is. Yeah. Um, uh, and in a way that I think is uh, regressive and, yeah, uh, yeah. and gross. Then there's a big time dash, and it says many years later, um, now Henrietta and uh, Anatole are married, and yeah. they return. They happen to be hanging out in precisely the same spot. There's nothing quite like... Um, you know, when you're with a partner, when you're with your husband or wife or, you know, um, you're like, you know, I really feel like going out of the city. Let's go to the precise place where I was sexually assaulted. I think that's generally a good idea. I mean, I know that that's me putting a 2020 view on a 1935 film. Yeah. Um, and and uh, the guy who, who, who kissed her finds them. Uh, and so, yeah, so he, he uh, him, uh, him and his friend, they're just like big fans of boats and they just hang out on this river boating yeah. all the time. And it seems like he's never really like, he's, he's never really moved past it. He's always on this river and he's always coming back to this particular spot. Uh, and he like full of remorse. No remorse, kind of like sadness is like, like I've always thought I mean, about you. It's, it's a fringe movie. We should be allowed to say on we. <laughs> yeah, we. We should be allowed to say on we. Hmm. That first nope. we yeah, is the French Yeah, no, I, 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 I got it. Just for um, for the people out there transcribing this. <laughs> um, and she responds, I think about it every day. And there is an ambiguity, a deliberate ambiguity, pitched in her performance as to whether she's being like, oh, yeah, I remember that great fun day we had and we fell in love and never saw each other again. Mm. But also like, oh, uh, yeah, I re- I remember when you got when you sleazebagged on me. Yeah, there's a conversation earlier in the film between the two men where they are debating whether or not it's worth it to pursue these women. Yeah, and the one who ends up going off with Henrietta says to his friend, "It's not worth it. You know what? What? What if? What? What? What if you fall in love with her? What if she falls in love with you and then you never see her again?" And uh, I think like in this final scene, it's made pretty clear that like he he did sort of fall in love with her, and his life has been sort of. At a standstill yeah. ever since then. While like she's gone over, she's also not really happy with her life. She she still doesn't seem to to like Anatole at all. He he still seems like a uh, like a dumb wimp. Yeah, uh, Anatole is basically a child's drawing of a person. Yeah, um, his hair is either 
a wig or something exploding in slow motion yeah, out of his no, head. He, he, he looks like Brad Dourif playing Jack Anset. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Uh, for everyone out there who knows both Brad Dourif and Jack Anset, which I'm going to say are you, are me. Uh, David Prentice. And Dupree. <laughs> Who's a do- is Dupree a dog? No, I'm thinking of Marley. Yeah, you're thinking of Marley and me. I think was Dupree. I've never seen it. It's wasn't. Is it Owen Wilson? Yeah, no, that's that's what I was yeah. going to say. Then who who's you and me in that movie? Oh, probably Kate Hudson, and maybe like seems like a McConaughey film. Has anyone ever done a, like a mashup of that movie and and that movie by Miranda July called You and Me and Dupree and Everyone We Know, <laughs> or uh, You and Me and Dupree and Irene? <laughs> Um, <laughs> or you, you, me, and Dupree, and Bob, and Carol, and Ted, and Alice. <laughs> um, doesn't live here anymore. <laughs> yeah, so that that moment is interesting in this whole... I, and you get the feeling of... Uh, uh, it's an adaptation of a Guy de Maupassant. Guy de Maupassant? Guy de Maupassant. Guy de Maupassant. Story and one gets the feeling in some ways that they are that that Renoir is is trying to critique the story as mm. he recounts it. I I have not read the story or maybe the story is about kind of two levels of reality the, yeah. and w- it does not quite land that and I think that's purely the fact that it was made in nineteen thirty six forty nineteen forty one released in thirty six nineteen forty two yeah no, same year as Colonel Blimp. No, <laughs> no, that that was like that was forty four, I think. Oh, okay. So I'll get there in two more times that I've <laughs> that I mentioned yeah. the name. No, so it, it was released the same year, Steven Spielberg's nineteen forty one. He made nineteen forty one yeah. in the late seventies, and then he tenanted it back into nineteen forty one. Oh yeah, oh mate, we should. Tenant more stuff. Tenant more stuff. We, right? we should tenant more stuff. Um, just again, just to, we won't dwell on it, but let's be firm. This is a pro tenant podcast. Uh, good, good movie. I'm very afraid. You know the Spotify end of the year roundup things. Uh, I'm very. Is this all going to be the score for Tenant? Like genuinely, right, I've yeah. listened to it so much since I saw that film. Um, uh, uh there, there's a bit in the first track. At, at six minutes, 16 seconds, um, which just uh, really gets me. <laughs> anyway, um, but so that's the plot. But the point I was kind of get to by skipping over the plot quickly, um, you know, only taking 40 minutes or whatever, or 30 minutes, um, uh, is that the plot doesn't really matter in, in a lot of material ways. It's kind of more a sequence of moments in, yeah, in some way. And I think uh, it, it is, there's definitely like a large part of it, which, which is about Renoir, like trying to expand like what you can do with a camera. When Henrietta is on the swing, the camera is bolted to the swing. And so it, and like you, you've seen shots like this all the time. I believe it's called Snorri Cam. Darren Aronofsky is all over that and, and, and many other people. There's a lot of good student short films where, you know, they don't know what to do. So they're just like, oh, we'll just do, you know, the person is the center of the frame. The world's moving around them, mm. um, which is also in one shot in the snowman. The weird shot oh, of yeah, the car in yeah. the snowman is just incredible. But it's also like the scene that I know I'll the bit of this film I remember going forward uh, is that Henrietta and her mother, uh, whose name uh, I cannot uh, remember, uh, uh, her name is Juliet. That's right. Because when the, before the guy's pranking around a tree, he he um, he's it like. Is- so what is your name, madame? 
And she says, oh, why do you want to know my name? And she says, oh, so I may call to you, madame. <laughs> and she says, guess my no, name. And he just says, oh. I give up. I, yeah, and she says, Juliet, and he says, well, oh, I would be Romeo. Yeah. Um, but they, they're looking for a place to have a picnic, and they sit under a cherry tree, and they're kind of observing nature, and it's, very, mm. and, and it's a moment about they've been so clogged up in the city, they want to be free. And Henrietta and Juliet have this uh, conversation that starts by being about a caterpillar. Like, look at that caterpillar, and the mum says, don't touch it. And she goes, like, no, it's not, it's not going to hurt me. It's just going to hang out. And then they talk about like there's all these small creatures in the world uh, and, and how, you know, <laughs> bugs, bugs and stuff. Um, but also like I think a lot about microbes. Um, but, you know, like the, there's all this life teeming around us hmm. constantly. It makes me think about um, what is it? Uh, I heard someone, Oscar Wilde's joke, I heard someone argue once that Oscar Wilde's joke why are the Americans so angry? And it's because they have such ugly building is a point about how like a lot of the stress of modern life is that we put a lot of time as a society and individuals into making nature ugly. And, and so this moment of two people kind of disagreeing over engaging that and being surrounded by life is, uh, I, I've, I was really enchanted right, by, right. Uh, by that moment. And then we cut to like, uh, Three silly clowns trying to do chin ups and and falling over and with flop sweat. Yeah, tr- trying trying to go fishing, but they they pull up a, like a, a shoe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally a shoe. Yeah, um, and it, it, it it's it's a woman's shoe, which I yeah no I I think exists to be like oh so this is just a day for uh this is just a day in the country uh, a weekend day for this family, but for the two marauding sex predators. <laughs> Um, uh, it's, it's another week. Those, those two guys, the two, uh, um, bad men. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's interesting because it, I think this film really quite accidentally hits on a very modern point about rape culture, which is that there's, there's one guy, the guy with the mustache, or oh, they both have mustaches. Yeah. The guy, there's, there's a blonde one and a brunette. Um, and, and the blonde is, oh, he's raring to go. He's yeah. full of like, it's uh, like, I love having sex with people. And the other guy's like, what if you fall in love? What if they fall in love with you? And he's like, well, it just means they've got good taste. <laughs> um, but which other- is, I mean, out of out of all the French stuff in this movie, that's yeah. one of the most French things. <laughs> oh, uh, and then uh, he's like, "Oh, you're just sad." He's saying to the brunette, and the brunette being the 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 one who <laughs> at the end has a moment with Henrietta um, is that he's like, "No, no, but." It's not just about sex; it's about love in the moment, forever. And um, and how does that go? Uh, uh, um, and he's like, "Oh, you're just hung out because you you were with Hortense forever." And he's like, "Yeah, I dated Hortense for three months. She was so beautiful, but dumb." <laughs> and it is kind of, uh, and their arc is, is the blonde guy kind of geeing up or like uh, pimping up the 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 brunette talk to Henrietta mm. uh, and it is I think quite accidentally like a quite salient and interesting depiction of how a lot of toxic masculinity is men teaching other men to rape uh, and I didn't think I don't think there's a joke I can put at the end of this no no not, not really but I, I I just wanted like I think like to me that's the most interesting thing the film does mm. um, by quite a wide margin uh, do you got any jokes about this? Uh, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> oui, oui. Hello. Oh, baguette. No, I got, no, I got, I got nothing. It's us, the two Frenchmen from the Pink Panther episode. <laughs> <laughs> Once again. We're, we're still River Patrol officers, but this time it's in the past. <laughs> and we are, we are two immortals cursed to go to the waterways of France. We're like uh, Will Smith and uh, Charlize Theron and Hancock. Uh, except, no, we're precisely like them. Um, I, I, I just, I honestly, I'm too busy on the boat. I've not seen, I didn't know they were Hancock. <laughs> I, I'm turning into Fassbender. <laughs> when I look at Hancock, <laughs> I do not see William Smith, etc. Um, boats play a pretty big part in this. And like all good introductions, we are like Spielberg teaches us, right? You've got to see people seeing a thing in awe mm. before you meet the thing. Oh, right. Yes. Uh, and so of course, uh, we get another brilliant team. Like, come over here, look at these boats. They're look, so funny. Look, look at these, look at these funny boats. And uh, uh, me, 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 and Yutha were fucking hyped up for some hilarious boats. I was fizzing for a banana boat that looks like a banana. Uh, I. I, I don't know what I wanted, but I, I know I did not get it. A hovercraft that looks like a giant vacuum cleaner. That, okay, that, that'd be good. One like, of those duck boats, but it looks like a shark. Okay, okay so what if it is a, uh, it's a boat that's shaped like a giant piece of corn, and you just sit inside the corn, <laughs> and... And but like I'm talking, I'm talking big. Like each each kernel is like a pod that can hold a human, and and like it's like the size of a Titanic, right? And like it's just going down the middle of this like not especially large uh, uh, rural French river, and uh, um, isn't this and it's displacing all the water, and uh, the land around for miles is flooded, and uh, uh, all the local farmers uh, you know, lose uh, lose all their uh, crops and livestock. Uh, so the that's, boat- that's a funny boat. So the. <laughs> So the boat version of Ronan the Accursed spaceships from um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Ronan the Accuser, but yes. Oh, sorry. I just, I look at him and all I see, all is, see Lee is Lee Pace. Pace. <laughs> like, hey, fucking love Hey, Lee Ronan, Pace. why don't you go push some daisies? <laughs> hey, halt and catch fire, Ronan. Hey, uh, uh. Are you were you in the fall or the fountain? Uh, so I can the reference fa- the, the fall. The fall. The I fall. Uh, why don't you go fall some more? Some weird hats on. Yeah, fucking <laughs> pick up the Lee Pace. Lee Pace. Hey, why are you looking after Marmaduke? <laughs> hey, you. By all accounts, you seem like a cool guy and a hardworking actor, and I and I like I appreciate every plane on your face. <laughs> Do you know what I'm excited for? What? I feel like, okay, here's a pitch. American Psycho remake with Lee Pace. That's all. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously since a remake, you've got to do the standard remake thing, which is uh, you build in, you know, like how uh, uh, Ghostbusters, uh, the good one, uh, the one with all the women in it, that, hey, yeah, all, 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 all of us women like Annie Potts and Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> that, but that's also true. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, I'm talking about the Kate McKinnon one. I want to be absolutely clear. I'm not being a shit dirtbag film podcast guy being like, I'm going to pretend that film is good. That is genuinely my favorite Ghostbusters oh, okay. film. So like, I, I, I think that film is fine, but I think Kate McKinnon is very good in it. Oh, right. I, I, I yeah, think yeah, she's yeah. fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think it is very sad that we haven't, that um, 
men on the internet teaching each other to rape took a moment from that to be like, okay, let's just attack this fun, fine, harmless film yeah. because it doesn't have Bill Murray professed wife beater in it. We want one with Finn Wolfhard. <laughs> I mean, we can also have that. Anyway, I think a lot like the first two Ghostbusters films, I'm not saying they're shite. I think they're sound. I think... Uh, like, yeah, it's it's a well established fact that 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 you love Vigo of Carpathia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like how the reboot now debooted reboot um, uh, of Ghostbusters includes lots of hints towards like Zool being in the next film. Yeah, yeah. In my remake of American Psycho with Lee Pace, we will of course leave lots of breadcrumbs that um, psycho heads in the audience, psychonauts, sorry, yeah. um, uh, will pick up, is obviously po- pointing towards uh, American Psycho 2, the one that the originally... one with Mila Kunis. Yeah, the one that originally starred Mila Kunis, um, uh, that starts with a seven-year-old killing Patrick Bateman. And that is like, obviously, end of American Psycho, uh, Lee Pace turns to the camera, uh, like he's, he's just killed someone while listening to... Um, Morris Day in the time, uh, and then he says, I am Patrick Bateman. And then he turns to the camera and said, American Psycho. And then he does a wink, which has a like a yeah, lens like, flare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, then credits roll, directed by Brett Ratner, script by... <laughs> <laughs> script by Max Landis. <laughs> and Nicholas Sparks, you know. Uh, like every, everything you want. I, I want... I, I want Additional childcare provided by John Landis. <laughs> no, I don't know. Mm, no. Look, okay. No, Here, no. Here's the thing. It's not a film podcast until someone makes, <laughs> until someone makes a John Landis joke. But we've already got the best John Landis joke possible, Max Landis. <laughs> That's less funny to the victims of his abuse. And also, Max, if you're listening, uh, no, we've already, I've already talked about how he, how he hates himself on the podcast. Yes, right? but but, yeah. but, uh, uh, but you haven't threatened to fight him yet, which I think you should do, <laughs> I, do, do just to keep a, just to keep a trend going. Look, I don't want to fight someone who I know is perpetually on cocaine and uh, in this time of darkness for I, him. I, 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 I think you could take name redacted. I. <laughs> I I think Max Landis is like, you know, the body of Jared Leto's Joker about how, or, you know, Christian Bale and the machinist. Yeah. Like yes, that, yes. like he's slim, but every inch of him is muscle. Like he's iron rebar wrapped in violence. I think that's what Max Landis is like. I think Max Landis would like, I think, you know, we would be in the ring, uh, <laughs> Jeremy Irons' blood would be washed off the ground, um, <laughs> but then I would turn, you know, bruised but fine, and he would leap on me like a spider monkey, <laughs> and before you knew it, his fingers would be in my eyes, you know, like I would just be gone. <laughs> That's why I don't want to come. That's why I don't want to fight Max Landis. Okay, I'll, I, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll fight Max Landis then. <laughs> oh my god! Please don't die. <laughs> Don't, um, uh, no, here's the thing. He he doesn't know about my about my sweet jump kicks. <laughs> so like he's that dude's toast. But that is like that. That's how we meet the boats, the skiffs, um, with all these funny boats. But, yeah, so here's the thing. They're, they're just they're just normal boats. They're just yeah. No, they're, they're just like okay. So they've, they've, yeah. they've just got like they're, they're made they're made of wood, not corn. Yeah, uh, just a sort of like single like keel. Open top, a couple of seats, some oars. I was, I was genuinely a sea scout for a year. You don't need to explain this to me. The most active I've ever been. It was terrible times. Imagine a boat. 
now stop. Yeah, no, it's a, bo- it's a boring boat. And, and not a ship. No. Uh, there are two, because um, yeah, yeah. they're the kind, hypothetically, a French person would take someone out <laughs> to be like, hey, let's go look at a bird. <laughs> um, yeah, the, th- the key thing about a uh, day in the country is that it's slight uh, and mm. incomplete, and it is, it's hard to watch it without going, where would this, what is missing? What yeah, would you add yeah. to this? Because currently it feels like, like assuming there was going to be like a five minute sequence at the beginning of like, oh, we're in Paris, let's go. And I think then we got like the second act of a film mm. with a third act tacked onto it. And it, it, it's hard to go, it's hard to talk about because there's just not much to talk about. I just, I've just worked out a way we can talk about it. I think we should choose whether it's good or bad. Good or bad doesn't work. Um, it's too obvious. Good, bad, bad, bad. No, that's already, no, that's already, that's already taken. taken. Um, oh, I know. What is the title of this podcast? Um, so, well, so we, 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 we Untitled we, we, Nicholas Dean Podcasting yeah. Project. Well, you know, we name this podcast after ourselves. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Our names are, of course, You for Shite and Finn Sounds Nicholas. <laughs> yeah, no, obviously. So, we could say if this film is shite, which is to say uh, bad, oh. like I am, the bad boy, but yeah. the only good man, <laughs> or <laughs> sound, like you, a good man, Full stop. Shite or sound? I'd say it's sound. I think it's shite. Really? I There's just not a... Uh, what it does technically, mm. like the shots where he's pushing the camera form, great. Yeah. But as we saw with Intolerance, I don't think that's enough. I don't okay. think getting there first is enough of a claim. I don't think even for the time it does enough to complexify the relationship uh, it portrays. Okay. Um. I, yeah, I, it's not that I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. I just don't, I think it's bad. And the okay. bits I like of it are kind of despite it, you know? At the beginning, when they're going across the bridge, there's a, a little bald, bald boy uh, fishing, hmm. and there's one shot from above him that looks exactly like the establishing shot at the beginning of Prometheus with the bald alien dude at the yeah. waterfalls in Iceland. Um, and you, you you were just hoping that that, that little kid was going to like turn into DNA goo. Well, and and I thought like what I like about I like Prometheus, and it's bad. Like right. Prometheus is a shite film, mm. but I like it. And I think A Day in the Country is a bad film that I like. Okay, so I think it is shite. about solving crimes is like it's difficult it takes a lot out of you as as we both know from our, our years of 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 solving crimes look i if there's and, but, but you know like, you just hope sometimes that there'll be something that will like make a case easier give you some sort of breakthrough and that on, on my last case that that happened for me when i met uh, uh when i met a uh, uh when, when i met a man called mr donkey <laughs> and uh, he gave me all the clues that I needed uh, in, in order to solve. Uh, uh, let, let's uh, um, uh, let, let's say uh, the, the 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 tale of uh, the tale of the uh, where does my tail go? The, yeah, the, the tale of the stolen tail <laughs> of the donkey. Yeah, and all both tales in that title are spelled T A I L E. There was a woman donkey. 
I don't know if there's a different name for them. I think it's... Oh, no, sorry. Think, no, 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 no. I think um, it's... No, 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 no. <laughs> a female donkey is called a donkshi. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't let you speak because I wanted to get that joke out. Yeah, no, no, no. And I want to be clear. It was exactly worth it. You stopped me for the right amount of time with what I was saying to for that joke to be worth it. Now, my experience uh, as a crime solver, um, I, as you know, I've struggled a lot with mental illness. Mm. Uh, and that, ha- as last week's episode, I feel like bears out, um, sounding as it does like a man crashing into de- a depressive low. Uh, um uh, and that means I can't be an official, you know, the FBI won't have me on their team. No. But they'll call me in to consult. And the problem is, is sometimes uh, I can, I can empathize with these killers. Yeah. But I get, I get too close and I think I'm becoming more like them. Anyway, so we're two rebellious detectives. Yes. So you should know like how we are right now. Right now we're both slumped. We've clearly slept in our clothes. I've got a cigarette already in my mouth. Uh, Finn's holding yeah, on to a bottle of vodka. Yeah, I don't smoke, but I've got one of those like uh, I've got one of those like candy cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. So we're investigating a crime. The crime. Oh, okay, say we've got a victim. Uh, the victim is Thomas Alfredson. This is where I think our our sort of, like differing uh, like views of of crime and criminals comes into play because I. I I was seeing more him more as the prime suspect I for think... him and Helen Mirren. <laughs> <laughs> but you you fuckers out there weren't expecting a, okay. a prime suspect joke. Okay, cool. Got Helen Mirren on the phone. Uh, on her to voicemail. Hey, Helen, uh, it's Yutha. Lovely to see you. Uh, lo- sorry, talk to you. <laughs> you know these things. Um, just had an idea for that prime suspect reboot you're looking for. It's a sequence of murder mysteries, but instead of investigating them, you like you are the celebrity in the cast who's obviously the bad guy from the beginning and you just get to play you know you're like butler too or um you know colin firth <laughs> in, in tinker taylor yep. soldier spy that here's the thing the snowman is, is a two-hour digression into nothing yeah it, it's um they didn't shoot all of the script um i have a theory watching it that even with all the footage they had the film was running too long and so they cut it down there are a lot of pointless jump cuts in it that breaks well, spatial like, continuity there, there, there was just like even before like you get to actually watching the film <laughs> yeah. there is so much weird about it. like they start off this michael fassbender as harry hole series they started with the seventh book in the series yeah. uh then they only shot like 60 percent of the script and uh it, it, then um Ex- reshoots were too expensive yeah and uh, uh so it, it, it was edited um it was first like edited by one called claire simpson then it was re-edited uh like martin scorsese came on board as a producer yeah and it was re-edited by Thelma schoonmarker so who, who's some hack who, it's not like she's ever like edited uh a lot of the best edited movies ever look i'll give Thelma this she has invented a lot of the language of modern cinema mm. but apart from that She's a hack. Is it her? She's only a woman in her late 70s or maybe early 80s who was still doing brilliant work. And and all the while through working through the period where, of course, like originally editing was a non-credited, seemingly Mm. like almost administrative role. So, of course, uh, it was done by women because the past was a nightmare, much like the present, Mm. but in black and white. Um, uh, And then, of course, it became an artistic role. So men 
didn't got to do it. Uh, and, and all, and so she had to, she had to fight, mm. you know, like that, that, that she does such good work and did, has done such good work. Um, not on the snowman, <laughs> no. uh, which is, I think the, the worst edited movie maybe I've ever seen. No, 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 no. Uh, oh, you've ever seen. Yeah. No, I can't. I can't oh, tell oh, you yeah, what yeah, you so think. Like, what, what, what's your pitch for worst edited movie? Oh, no, I even like the, the amount of dead air and lack of spatial continuity in like the test, but that's again, that's yeah. unfair, not a real film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in, in a film of this size, I think this is the worst edited movie of this size I've ever I, seen. I really feel like there's something like Babylon AD. You know, there's 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 a there's a right. real hatchet job that's on the tip of my mind, but I can't, it doesn't matter. Um, but so yeah, Harry Hole, uh, as they insist on pronouncing his name throughout yeah, the so film, th- th- there are there are multiple ways they could have not called the character Harry Hole. Yeah, so in, in the original Norwegian, uh, his name would be close to Harry Hula, and that uh, uh, translated into English uh, is Hill. Yeah. So they could have called him Harry Hill, or they could have called him uh, Harry Hula, which is maybe dumber than Hole. But they could have just called him Harry Hill. Well, Harry Hill is a British comedian. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure I'm sure everyone going to see the Snowman would have said, "No, I can't believe this," <laughs> because I because I know all about Harry Hill, the English comedian. See, now I'm trying. Like me as a fan of English comedy, only vaguely knows about Harry Hill. I mean, then you're not a fan of British comedy, punk. <laughs> I'm adding you to the list of people I'll fight. You haven't seen all of. Harry Hill's TV burp. <laughs> is is that a real show or is that something in Charlie Brooker's the fake TV guy that Charlie Brooker made up? Uh, no, but um, <sighs> we can we can check. My copy might even be to hand. It's right there. Okay, anyway. it's, it's, it's not something like Screamboat uh, if, <laughs> or, okay. or or Mick Hucknell's Pink Pancakes, which um, is a show where Mick Hucknell yeah. from uh, some whatever band Mick Hucknell's from uh, would go and uh, press his scrotum up against uh, various glass surfaces. Um, if if there's a dear, I'm just going to hashtag Lazy Web for a minute because um if, if you enjoy this podcast you'll enjoy charlie brooker's uh tv go home parody of tv listings yeah. which was adapted into a one-off it was adapted into a pilot for a sketch show right. that was shown as a one-off and i cannot find that anywhere that was his first tv work that's i think what got that tv go home in general is mm. what got him in the room with chris morris for right. nathan barley yeah because I, I i've seen pretty much everything charlie brooke has ever done yeah. apart from the last couple of scenes of black mirror which you know, i don't care about that much but like uh, you're wrong they're good um they're not but, they, but yeah I, yeah I i like tv go home is one of the funniest books ever written yeah it is every, every single page has Oh, 40 good jokes on it. Yeah, no. It is, it is astounding. It is, it is a rare book that will actually make you laugh out loud. Of course, it wasn't just written by Charlie Brooker. There were a bunch of other contributors, yeah, yeah. but I, I don't know what their names oh, are. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it started as a thing he, he did on his own. Yes. Um, I yeah, don't want to erase other contributors. That said, so we're looking at Thomas Alfredson's body, um, and we can see on it the DVD uh, for Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. Yeah, it's, good. it's gone right for his neck. <laughs> Uh, which is sound. Um, mm. Let the right one in. Super sound. You know, I've, I've, I've never seen, but I've heard it's good. Yeah, it's good. Uh, Four Shades of Brown, which was his uh, his first feature, which is also very good, and I recommend if you can find it. Mm. Um, but uh, uh, there was his, his only Swedish language film. Right. But yeah, so this, yeah, the snowman is a mess, and it's a mess in a way that I feel like has been thoroughly unpacked 
elsewhere yeah. that you can, you know, you can go and find. There's one particular video that both you and I are big fans of. It's a video by a YouTube channel called Folding Ideas. Yeah. It's a, a video about the, the editing in, in The Snowman. It's a great great video about, about editing and yeah. why The Snowman just doesn't work. Yeah, it's certainly the peak of Folding Ideas, um, overly dogmatic application of uh, kind of uh, enforced ideas of what cinema is onto a failed film is at its best. Dan Olsen, if you're listening, you're great. You're cool. I'm, I'm sorry. I just saw the snowman. You know how it feels. So yeah, uh, it's a mess. Uh, the leads of the film are Michael Fassbender and judging by the type size of the opening credits, his co-lead is the snowman itself, which kind of makes sense. There, there, there's, there, 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 there's, there's certainly a lot of them. So, so Snowman gets a lot of screen time. Yeah. Um, uh, Rebecca Ferguson, Charlotte Gainsborough, yeah. um, Adrian Dunbar from Line of Duty, the most ACAB show that is also about cops. Um, uh, who, oh, man, loads of good people. Just J- 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 J.K. Simmons. Yeah, just kidding. Simmons, yeah. Simmons Cape Johnson himself. To- Toby Jones. Man, Val Kilmer, who I like. It's a cast. Good director. Um, it, it was written by the, the guy who wrote Drive. It's It's got, a, got a, a great cinematographer. It's got two really good editors <laughs> credited. And it, it's, yeah, it, horrific. Yeah. Shapeless. Both monumentally overstuffed and profoundly boring. It is a movie that like works best when you refuse to pay attention to it. Yeah. For a fair amount of the film, uh, I wasn't paying attention to it. No. And... At those points, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is kind of watchable." Well, it looks. If you walked through the room where someone else was watching it, you'd be like, "Oh yeah, another Thomas Alfredson film." I can tell yeah. by his like judicious use of camera movement, his ability to find really striking frames in what seem like quite uh, improvised circumstances, like uh, uh, a sense of a visual spectacle that's strong that that builds into a sense of like character work. That it, that is based around the nomic, like what what information is not given right, to you, yeah. and yeah, no, my my thesis on this film is that I think this is uh, the closest to bad film we've seen yet to being good, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, because I kind I kind of want to say that if they had shot the whole script. And it was the three and a half hour version I imagine in my brain, which is this kind of dreamlike lilting journey um, through a mystery and using that mystery as an occasion to have kind of moments with all these interesting kind of lost characters reflecting on their lives. I think that would be a sound film. I just think, like, even if they fully completed the film and it, it was edited in a way that, like, actually worked with what Alfredson's trying to do, I, I still think it would be a bad film because yeah. I just think that Michael Fassbender is so boring in this. Yeah. And, it, like, he, like, like he, he's playing a character who is, like, the, who is, like, uh, uh, dissolute drunk and a neglectful father or stepfather and he's like constantly battling with his inner demons or whatever and he's done that brilliantly in films like Hunger or Shame obviously there are incredibly problematic aspects to Michael Fassbender as a person which don't you know we don't have to get into too much like as as an actor I think he's incredible and this is the sort of role that like he should be able to absolutely kill he, he should he should be able to do so much with with this sort of character but he is just sort of 
almost totally like effectless and disengaged the entire time. But that, but I think it's a Kuleshov performance in waiting, right? Like performances, maybe, maybe. performances like that, that are, like I agree with literally everything you've just hmm. said. Uh, and to propose a hypothetical, less likely version, uh, I don't really want to seem like I'm fighting for the snowman here, um, is that that kind of performance that is kind of sits at the center of a film to reflect off stuff is only as good. Like, you could cut, to go back to my favorite film we've watched, Yee Yee, mm. um, the, the daughter's thread in that. Yeah. You could... If the material they were surrounded it with uh, and, and they made it reactive against wasn't as strong, that performance would look flat and affectless. Yeah. So like when I was watching this, the, the performance that I kept thinking about was Scarlett Johansson in Under the Skin. Yeah. Which is like is a similarly sort of like flat and affectless performance. Yeah. But that movie is is so atmospheric and yeah. she she is able to be like completely captivating even when she is flat and affectless. Well, not to boil down under the skin too much mm. because that that's a complex film that succeeds in many ways, but part of that success, part of the success I think of under the skin is how much time it has to develop this weird sense of creepy wrongness, yes, right? Yes. And part of the real tragedy of Snowman just being so, there's so much fucking incident in this film is that nothing can be lingered on. Everything feels cut yeah. around. And so there are all these moments that should be haunting, but are just like ridiculous or boring. Yeah. So all of that stuff is cut out. And also like all of the connective tissue is cut out. Well, and heavily rearranged. Like yeah. you can, t- like, there are no scenes that like fit together. Yeah. Like a scene will end enough one will start and it'll be a bunch of different characters in a different place doing different things. And there, there is, there is no, there, there, there is no like continuity of, of narrative or like continuity of like, of, of, of theme b- b- between scenes. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think if you had gone at like, and I think that comes from part of the choice. Uh, yeah, I think that comes from the choice of it being an elliptical film, but without mm. having enough of it and, and, and other decisions, uh, it ends up uh, in that place. The, the snowman starts with a young boy in a house. He's looking out a window and in a series of... Like I, I think it, it's sort of disappointing. Well, it's sort of weird. Like, the film opens with the worst edited scene in the film. This is like... Uh, 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 no, uh, uh, there, there's a mm-hmm. scene later where Rebecca Ferguson is talking to someone on the phone and it is clearly entirely edited so that they can be saying absolutely different things to each other. Right. Okay. That is, I think, worse. But it it's also a race to the bottom, you yeah. know? Well, so like, the, 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 this is the most sort of like startling in, in, oh, in yeah. editing choices it, it feels like a sequence of mis- it, uh, it feels like um, a mistake or like a first yeah it feels like something has fucked yeah, up yeah yeah this opening scene feels like the roughest of rough cuts so you you have this boy he's looking out a window a snowmobile is driving past i mean like behind the snowmobile comes a police car he was uh, uh, old-fashioned police car super old-fashioned because this is in the past uh, a man a man comes inside who uh, he thinks might be his dad or it might not be. He sits him down at the table and, and makes gives him like a test on, on Norwegian history. Yep. So and when he gets a question, Norway. Yeah. And w- when the boy gets a question wrong, the, the policeman like slaps his mother in the face. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and then the two of them go upstairs and have sex. And, and that's when, uh, she's like, uh, uh, I'll, 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 I'll tell him you're his dad or yeah. something. In the scene we're, we're, we're introduced to, uh, 
the the idea that every single home in Norway uh, has a window into the master bedroom yeah. where just any old bloody looky loo can can see what's going on in there. I don't know. Like as we've established, a key moment in any act of sexual congress between any amount of people yes. is the, is the, the, the postcoital defenestration. <laughs> so yeah, they're just like obviously Scandinavian people. Uh, there's a stereotype that they're more open about sex, which like comes from the fact that they uh, had the most lenient senses, uh, which is why they uh, produced a mu- the first widely distributed uh, filmed pornography, and that, right. that's why we think that you know that where you're just past the age when you were growing up was Scandinavian accent inherently like dirty. Because that's mm. that was like the pop culture. I was like the way you show someone's dirty is they're like, oh hello, right? Yeah, I, I think you, I, I, saw, I was. I grew up in sort of the like tail end of of, of that as like yeah. a pop culture idea. Uh, but, uh, I think but also they, like but, part part of the reason that, that, that the like um, the, the like windows like between rooms yeah. is uh, because it's very cold outside. Yeah, and so you'd rather throw someone through the window into a hallway than into the snow. Look, have you ever had a sauna? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and you know you jump in the dunk tank, the colder. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're in a cold, if you're in a if you're if you're boning down, uh, or boning up, mm. you know, as as people want to do, I've heard. Yeah, but those are the two things, <laughs> down or up. <laughs> you, you your choice, but you better make a choice. Look, and I, you better stick to it. Look, okay, listeners, in our Massive fan community. I've seen a couple of discussions of lateral sex motions. <laughs> and, oh, I I understand we're joking and having fun. I will not have that kind of filth in my community. I We we get it. <laughs> it's funny to think about people having sex on the moving sidewalk from the opening of Jackie Brown. <laughs> that, <laughs> it's very funny. You know, you know why some airports are shut for like weird hours, for like two to four a.m. Just just bone in sideways. Sorry, did you say some weird hour or weird owl? Oh, is it weird hours? Okay, right. you know know how some airports are like closed for weird owl. Yeah, no, it's the weird hours. My weird horror sequel to the hours, just just the horrors again. But there's a monster who's a metaphor for female oppression. Um, uh, that monster, Ed Harris, and the 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 dad cop goes away. Uh, and uh, the kid and his mum go for a drive. Yep. Uh, during which there's a one very odd-looking shot where they've stabilised the camera to the back of the car. Yeah, and, and it makes it look like this like car has been like keyframed out and like re-put onto a CGI yeah. image of a tunnel. I, the, and it's one of one of the strangest shots I've ever seen in a movie. The the only reason I don't think it's that is because if they had the money to do that, they had money for yeah. reshoots, which like. Man, you could you could make this shite film sound through reshoots. Yeah. I think, um, a, like a lot of them, and heavy dubbing, um, more and heavier dubbing. Um, th- then what happens? Uh, yeah, so they go for a drive. At a certain point, the mother of a young boy she seems to give up on life. She lets go of the steering wheel, and they kind of veer off uh, onto a frozen lake. 
and the ice begins to crack. The boy gets out of the car, but the mother refuses to, and uh, he watches uh, his mother uh, drown by sinking <laughs> down into the frozen lake. And she's staring at him just kind of blankly mm. as she goes over. And this was the first moment where I was like, all of this footage, if better cut and in a better film, would be a haunting beginning. Yeah, um, and if, if the, the score was by someone who wasn't Mel- uh, Marco Beltrami, like if the score was by Goblin... <laughs> Would be all over the, place. I, the 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 score sounds like library music yeah. throughout. Um, Super generic. There are multiple films where the score sounding like library music is a deliberate creative choice. Um, I can't think of any. I'm just sure they exist. No, but I, I, it seems like there's, there's one scene where it feels like a real choice. Yeah. But then outside of outside of that one scene is just is just a bad score. Um, uh, then we get uh, the opening titles, which are uh, the default font and Final Cut. Yeah, so uh, like all all all, all, of, all of the words are the same font, the same color, and the same size. Yeah, the one difference is that some are all caps and some are normal. The, the, yeah, so you just like you got you got the words like Universal Pictures presents a working title film. Yeah, I mean Michael and then Michael Fassbender in and then the Snowman, and it's just all look exactly the same. There's there's no N. Oh, because Michael... the snowman right, right. is his co-lead, and I don't know what oh, the course. title of the film is. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> don't don't say sorry to me. Say sorry to his kids. Désolé. <laughs> um, I don't know why I just laughed at you just saying that in French. Um, anyway, yeah. So the film opens on on Michael Fassbender asleep in like an, in like uh, some sort of. Uh, Either ice fishing shack or bus shelter. Yeah, um, it's in like I think it's in like the middle of a park. Yeah, in in the middle of Oslo, and it's sort of like the, the like early scenes of, of Jack Lemmon of of like Jack Lemmon in the apartment where he can't go home, so yeah. he just has to like put on a big coat and and go go sleep on a park bench. But uh, but like I'd say, meanwhile, this is like the opposite of the apartment. Like in the way that the opposite of love isn't hate; it's indifference. Yeah, yes. yeah, no, exactly. Um, uh, uh, then we get, uh, he goes home, uh, and there's someone in his house. So of course he gets his gun, uh, yep. which he's keeping where everyone does. In, in his record shelf right next to his copy of Nevermind the Bollocks, here's the Sex Pistols. I was just really trying to stop myself saying Nevermind the Buzzcocks. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. which is, oh my brain, oh no. Um, uh, but it's a dry rock guy, uh, who's there. Well, I want to say, he shoots at him first. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he... Like he he sees a guy in a hazmat suit standing yeah. on the other side of his apartment. He pulls out a gun. He shoot. He like shoots it at him. But yeah. He misses, and the guy's like listening to music. Yeah. And then the guy turns around. We have a shot of Michael Fassbender still holding the gun. Yeah. This guy does not react like Michael Fassbender is holding a gun. <laughs> yeah. And then there is never any mention of him holding a gun. Yeah. And like. It's just they just didn't have time to get the shot of him hiding the gun. Like it's yeah. genuinely like on the script supervisor script. There's the action text. Hula puts the gun behind his behind the back of his yeah. coat and there's just no pen over it. They just didn't have any time to shoot it. Oh no. Yeah, and so he he talks to he um he talks to this guy who's like uh it's got like a big like uh, uh like pentagram tattooed on the side of his neck. I did not notice oh, yeah. that. And he he looks like a he looks like a, a a cool like metal dude and he's like, "Hey man, I'm here to like <laughs> your your house is full of dry rot and mold and stuff and you it's it's all it's all over. I've got to you know take the walls off and like Clear up a dry rot. Um, and Harry Hula is like, yeah, cool. Um, and then I cannot. And re- then the rest of the movie happens. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, uh, uh, after, after those opening two scenes, it is just, uh, 
They go to a place. They invest. He meets up with uh, Becky Ferg's. Well, that that, is, that doesn't happen for like a while. The, the, oh, the, right, that, that's he, like another like fifteen minutes. Next, we meet Charlotte Gainsborough. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. So he, the he, science he, from the science of yeah. sleep. So he's he's just like walking around town, looking like a fucking decomposing corpse. <laughs> like he already looks kind of he was he already looks kind of shitty. He's got a five o'clock shadow. He looks just downtrodden. I mean the 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 the, the like. The color grade on this film makes him look like makes him look dead the entire uh, time. It looks like he is in a sequel to Pleasantville, and he is slowly called becoming, Unpleasantville, <laughs> becoming more and more black and white. Like it, it is He's the opposite of William H Macy <laughs> through that film. Yeah, so yeah, he 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 just he just looks like a walking corpse throughout the entire movie, and never more so than when he goes to Charlotte Gainsbourg's art gallery. <laughs> Charlotte Gainsbourg is his like uh, ex girlfriend, and he yep. just stands in the window as she is trying to sell some art to people, and he just stares at her, <laughs> and she turns around, and looks at him, and it's like seems genuinely startled by his appearance. Um, though we, I mean, do- he just sort of walks off and goes to work. Yeah, and then you know they. I just cannot face the idea, like the, the then, idea of talking about <laughs> this film in sequence. Oh no, of trying to fathom the order of events. Yeah, you know? yeah. Okay, um, so we we will go like incredibly broad on this. Okay, but, okay. So so let's look at the relationship with Charlotte. Charlotte Gainsborough. Yeah, okay. She's dating a new guy. Yeah, uh, um, his name is Matthias. Yeah, uh, he is a hormone specialist. Yeah, uh, who works with uh, who works with uh, couples who are trying to conceive. Yeah. And he's also the snowman. He's, yes, uh, he, he's, he's, the, he's the evil bad guy. Um, he's the little kid we saw at the beginning. Yeah, because he's the only person in the plot where who doesn't... He's the only person in the film who's not attached to the plot. Mm. Um, uh, they're raising Oleg, who is definitely Charlotte Gainsborough's son, yeah. and possibly Harry's in the book. Yeah, and so Harry is like a pr- pretty shit uh, dad to, to this kid. He's, he's, always, you know, he's always drunk and he's forgetting about like... Oh, I was supposed to take Oleg to a to a sports game, or I was supposed yeah. to take Oleg to a movie, or I forgot Oleg's birthday. I forgot about his camping trip. Yeah, and and so he he and and like whereas like uh, whereas Matthias is this you know this like successful doctor guy, very yeah. like clean cut, very like nice to everyone, doing the super moral thing of prescribing his girlfriend's ex medication. Yeah, j- 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 just handing out diazepam on the streets. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure that's totally fine, but um, yeah. So like, and Harry like sort sort of feels threatened by by, by Matthias, and yeah. in a sense, like he feels like he's he's being replaced. But also because of Michael Fassbender's performance, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm reading all of that into it. You never get that sense. Uh, and there is, I think, an attempt at like a sense of of lingering unresolved tension mm. between him that him and Charlotte Gainsborough are still attracted to each other. Yeah, which they later try to resolve in uh, one of the strangest scenes in the movie. <laughs> um, like, th- think of all, all, like, go back through your mind and think of all the movies Charlotte Gainsborough is in and try to think of the least sexy scene that Charlotte Gainsborough has been in. Yeah. And there's been, like, there's been a lot of them. Yeah. This is the least, this is the least sexy sex scene well, a sex-related scene in any yeah. movie that Charlotte Gainsbourg has been in. So Harry Hole uh, is uh, sleeping on the floor of his. Well, he's, driver. he's not sleeping. He, he's lying on the. He's lying on the floor of his apartment <laughs> with his head propped up on his record collection. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, I don't know if there are any record collectors out there. Uh, don't put like the the entire weight of a lot of your body on uh, uh, on your records. That's probably bad for them. Um, and she uh, comes and sees his eyes closed and. Uh, 
just dry humps him for like a minute and then they kiss and it's it really i feel like this wasn't in the film and then charlotte gainsborough heard heard that it wasn't in the film and was like no that scene has to be in the yeah, film there, there has to be at least one scene of sexual frustration <laughs> or i'm not doing this film oh no i thought it was more like if if i did that and it's not in the film I oh oh, oh right okay also also more like the, this like script stage oh right both. you're talking about the, the post production yeah yeah the the length well, yeah, yeah I, I I think we are both I think we are both right uh, and, 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 and the script stage she came in and said no all movies I do have to have some sort of like yeah. uh, like uh, uh, unresolved some sort of like sexual ennui or violence yeah the way Mackenzie Davis insists on every film she appears in she has to be a sex surrogate. <laughs> I'd say that that's two films, yeah. but it's still like two more than any other actor I can think of. Yeah. Um, Sully, the bird film, uh, <laughs> and uh, Blade Runner 2029, the original Blade Runner. Then uh, Magnus. Matthias. Matthias. Matthias is like, there's a bit later where someone goes, Magnus! And that's all uh, I really remember. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, when well, he, why did someone say that? Uh, who, no, no, no idea. Who gives a shit? Um, they're, they're, but there's a point where, um, you know, he's like, oh, the, we're 90 minutes into a two-hour film. I better kickstart the third act. So uh, just for no reason, he um, kidnaps them both and takes them to the place from the beginning yeah. and the end of the film happens. Yeah. But so, for, 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 for like the, the, the rest of the film, there, there are some murders happening yeah. where, uh, uh, where, where, uh, uh, where women are being killed yeah. and their heads are being cut off and put inside snowmen, although we never see any of the heads inside the snowmen. L- 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 later on, we, we see Chloe Sevigny's head yeah. on a snowman, but like it, it's implied all the times that like the person's head is inside a snowman, but we never see that. Um, um, yeah, I think that is with the one more victim the whole plot that's clearly being yeah. just excised out of the whole film. Yeah, so um, there, there, there are all, all these murders happening, and Harry Hole is uh, 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 Harry Hole is on the trail of the snowman serial killer. Yeah, the the case is brought to him by Rebecca Ferguson. Well, oh no, the the, 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 the the killer specifically sends the, the first note to to Harry Hole. Oh, that's right. The the, the 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 sort of famous like Mister Mister Donkey, I gave you all the carrots. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, note. I get. Um, I. Oh, but then she acts like she's bringing him the case. Yeah, fuck. See, you see what? Yeah. You see how this is why it is impossible to to fathom meaning into this film. Yeah. Um, and she her secret is uh, that she loves breaking cop rules. She loves breaking into places. Yeah. She's a bit of a renegade. Um, but also her dad, Gert Rafto. Gert Rafto, Val- Valentine Kilmer. Yeah. Um killed himself or was killed while investigating the snowman. Yeah, okay, so there's a scene where we see him die, and, uh, okay, so did he... Was he? Did he? Even, the answer to any question you could did ask. Did he... Was he already dead when the movie started? Yeah. Or, okay, then whose head gets blown off with a shotgun? Because we know he gets his head blown off with a shotgun, and then later on the police find someone else whose head got blown off with a shotgun. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Um, uh, uh, yeah, no, the uh, Val Kilmer story is told in unmarked flashbacks, yes. which uh, I think is a cool, interesting way to do it. And it's clearly, I think, building towards the, the I think, the 
idea was that the audience is like, oh, look at these two investigations going in parallel. I can't wait till they meet. And then there is the time dash reveal. Oh, no, I've been watching flashbacks. We're out of time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, but I think it being massacred in the edit, like the um, her hole goes to another town where Bergen to Bergen um, to, to find out where they film the show Borgen, <laughs> the, the bread. That's it's Bergen. Yeah. I don't anyway, think it's Bergen. Uh, I can't believe that's 20 seconds on bread humor. <laughs> um, uh, I like that sequence only really, and he meets Toby Jones, like fuck hooray. Mm. Eddie Marsden must've been busy. Uh, love Toby Jones. Um, uh, and also, I, th- I, I think I think it, I, I, I think this one. This is was 2017. I think I think yeah. it, I think it, uh, uh, I'm pretty sure at that point Eddie Marson was going through uh, his full tsunami phase. Well, no, he, he, <laughs> I think he, he just started. Um, he just started. Uh, um, uh, he started 18 months of intense uh, flamethrower training uh, for, <laughs> for for when he was in uh, uh, Hobson Shaw, uh, as opposed to the real answer, which is probably he was busy uh, filming Ray Donovan, in which he is the brother of Ray Donovan. Is he in Ray Donovan? Yeah, he's the brother of Ray Donovan. He's in every episode of Ray Donovan. Oh, so is, is, he, is he the son of John Voight? Is, 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 yep. John, is, yeah, John, yeah. is John Voight their dad in yeah. that show? Yeah. yeah. Never seen it. Um, uh, <laughs> That's one of those shows where, like, has anyone ever watched an episode of Ray Donovan? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 Jonah Ray. That's the end of a long cut anecdote in which I just got very angry about people not liking Mr. Robot. I'm still fresh. The Emmys were yesterday. Um, so yeah, Rebecca Ferguson's arc is, is kind of the most muddled, I think, in yeah, this film. Yes. It's, it's the one that has suffered because... She is the daughter of Gert Rafto and, and like nothing happens. This fu- yeah. You can't talk about this fucking movie. Well, no, it's like, so here's, my, okay. here's yeah. my theory on that plot. Because... Um, the first thing we learn about her kind of is that he's her dad. Oh, yeah, but the, it's also supposed to be revealed later on. Yeah, no, no, that's yeah. the thing. And I think that in the script and what Vin, um, I was about to call her Vanessa Redgrave, what Rebecca Ferguson is doing is I think she is playing someone who has a secret yeah. that the audience later learns that recontextualizes uh, everything you've seen in a way that is both surprising and makes more sense and also builds to a wider thematic point. Yeah. Like, and people have done that well all the time. To pick an example off the top of my head, Mr. Robot. Um, <laughs> uh, Finn said it along with me, but he moved the microphone away from his mouth to breathe like Tezonde. Um but yeah, and so she, her plot is also pretty heavily intertwined with uh, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons giving the first bad, bad J.K. Simmons performance. Yeah, I think. May, may, maybe. Well, he's. It's ma- like a visual, visual whiplash. He has um, made a choice to do um, because this film is kind of in the um, uh, Fincher Girl with the Dragon Tattoo mode, which is. Um, all of the text, except when it's not, <laughs> in the snowman's case, uh, is in Norwegian. Yeah. Um, uh, and we are, we are to assume they're speaking Norwegian. Um, and, 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 and everyone is just using their, their regular accents. Yeah. Um, which, and except for J.K. Simmons, who is putting on a voice that I'd like, it seems like he's aiming for like gruff butler and missing. 
I mean, it's it seems like he it seems like he's trying to do some sort of like European thing. Yeah, but it's a real weird accent. I'm gonna just draw. I I was about to be like, I'm gonna do an impression, but it's also all I can remember is how bad it was. Yeah, so yeah. I'm just gonna drop a clip. No, l- like everything in the movie, it, yeah. it is bad and makes no impression. Hundred percent. Thank you for coming, Mr. Stoke. Mr. Stoke, I'm sorry. I um, I just want to thank you. I really liked your speech. I found it very, very moving. Well, you see, I um, I was an orphan myself. So. Well, it doesn't have to be a disadvantage, young lady. It can motivate us too. Uh, and he is there to be the biggest. Red herring, yeah, uh, uh, and uh, he is. So uh, he is of uh, uh, seems like Arve Stoat, who's uh, some some sort of like uh, um, uh, some sort of Norwegian real estate mogul. Yeah, just another incredible name in a in a film of incredible names. Yeah. and so he um, uh, uh, he is very um, uh, very supportive of of also hosting the next uh, winter sports games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because they could not say the word Olympics I mean, in, in this. Yeah. Hosting the next winter sports games, uh, th- that's like his dream, is, yeah. is, that, is that Oslo gets to, gets to host yep. those. And uh, uh, He's also a real creepazoid. Yes. His, his, his kick the dog moment uh, is that one of his helpers uh, brings him a woman, gets her to remove her top, and then he dispassionately takes a photo of her. Yeah. Uh, in a scene that, again, another scene that in a, that footage with a different accent for JK. Yeah. And slower. And if it, if that was just like a moment in like we meet all these broken people, and that's another moment of like, look, this man's so broken, look how horrible he is. Mm. Um, would I think be like haunting in a highlight, you know? Yeah. But in, in this you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Um, he takes photos uh, uh, of everyone. Uh, well, I think, I think specifically of of women that, yeah, that, yeah. that he is going to sleep with. Um, where you're like, oh, this is going to lead something, but he only does it twice, never, never yeah. again. Um, in this film, there are so many like things where like it happens twice, and like it should yeah. happen a third time. Like with, with the um, uh, uh, with with the uh, with the dry rot guy. Is the second time he goes back to his house and the guy's there spraying, uh, listening to the song uh, uh, "Popcorn" by Hot Butter, yeah. which is the second time that song shows up in the movie. Yeah, and uh, but that's our first clue that it's what's his name. Yeah, because that it it's turns Matthias. out the dry rock guy was Matthias in disguise. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. The, the, the second time he meet, he sees the dry rock guy, he's got like a full like face mask on, and and uh, uh, and, and and Harry starts like shouting and like get 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 out get out of my house. Rah. And the guy leaves. And he walks down the street and he walks past the actual dry rot guy. Yeah. Uh, who's like holding a dog or something, and yeah. he's just sort of like, "Hey, hey, man, what's up? What's going on?" But and then and like a like and then we're on like a mid shot of um of the real dry rock guy, mm. um and then it pans into this beautifully framed shot of the environment of of the landscape and the road where you see this the snowman kind of tear off his mask and throw it onto the ground, and. Like it, it, it's an incredible sequence of images that do great visual storytelling, and it just and it's just like oh, it, that's the kind of visual storytelling that would be real great if it builds to something makes sense or I really had any context for it, you yes. know? Because it's let's be clear, it's why was he there? What to do? What 
Nope. No, no, yeah, no, 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 idea. no, no idea. Those are the kind of the plot. Oh, uh, then McFassie and Rebecca Ferguson um, investigate. They go meet Chloe Sevigny. Yeah, so she's, so like she's the one who's been like reported missing yeah. by her husband. But then they go and find her at a farm where she's beheading chickens. It turns out she's not missing, and so then they're like, okay. And then they leave. I mean, uh, and then uh, they get a call from the police saying, "Hey, Chloe Sevigny's missing." Yeah. And they're like, "No, we were just there." And they're like, "No, this call came in two minutes ago." So they turn around, they drive back to her house, yeah. and it turns out she's been decapitated in the chicken coop. Yeah, with the chicken head remover. Uh, well, no. So she she was using just a hatchet to chop her heads off. But then uh, the the the, oh, yeah. the the killer like um got had like he brought his own uh, beheading machine. Oh yeah. Oh. Okay. Um, yeah, and, he, and then he has it and the there, But there they turn up and they meet Chloe Sevigny again. The other Chloe, because there's two Chloe Sevignys. Uh, and, and we know this because her first line is, "Hi, no, she's my sister. We are twins." Which I would say is um. Uh, a bad ADR, but it's on her face. It's words she's it, yeah. rarely for this film. Um, it's a close. It's a shot of someone's face saying the words they were originally saying. Yeah, this movie has about as much like a- ADR as like an episode of SpongeBob. Yeah, it's, uh, just, it's just all voiceover. The the, fi- the only film I can think of that has more, at least more obvious uh, uh, ADR is uh, Holmes and Watson, where I do but, staunchly believe they've redubbed every single one of Will Ferrell's lines. Right. Um, well, I. I look forward to seeing that in about forty episodes' time. Yeah, uh, it, it's yeah. I, I won't. I won't talk more about it. But I have strong views on the um, elucid, uh, velveteen, prickly madness of that uh, of that film. Um, we just have to work out which. There are two different versions, which have like totally different sequences. On oh, okay. That we have to look at. Um, uh, and the, uh, yeah, then. Blah blah blah, shmoosh, shmoosh, shmoosh. Some, some more people die. Um, uh, Michael Fassbender's drunk some more. Um, yeah, Michael Fassbender gets on a train that Matthias is on. Yeah, he, um, he goes to Bergen to try and find more out of and, trying to find out more about Rafto. Yeah, and then kind of Matthias is like, "Oh, it's the end of the film. Um, I'll kidnap these people." And Fassbender and Ferguson are like, "Okay, cool, we'll work well, no, it no, out." No, she, she, she's already dead. She's already dead. She got. Because right. he, he killed her when she went to sleep with J.K. Simmons. That's right. Well, pretend to yeah, sleep yeah. with J.K. Simmons. Yeah, she. Yeah, she, she was going to yeah. try and do some entrapment on J.K. Simmons, um, <laughs> and goes to a hotel room, and then, then, uh, then the, the the snowman comes in and and kills her while yeah. she's waiting for J.K. Simmons. Um, and uses her finger to use her inexplicably high tech tablet device. Oh, it's to delete some. Um, Is it? I couldn't. I couldn't tell what was happening. Yeah. No. He, he, Matt, he, he has to have a finger to break I, into her police stuff. We, we do have to mention that her police stuff are these um, aggressively over-signified and over-explained like super tablets yeah. um, that you can only access by fingerprint. Um, the, 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 they, they, they sort of look like... The, 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 they, they, they look like... Like like someone now with not a lot of imagination trying to create something that looks like it would be in like Brazil? I There are... Um, Yes, absolutely agree. Um, and have you ever been on AliExpress? I mean, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a human. <laughs> You've got wants and needs and aches. We've all been on Wish. We've all been on AliExpress. I haven't been on Wish. Uh, I mean, it's the same business even, oh, possibly. Okay. Um, are they both 10 cent? Oh, probably. Uh, I mean. There, 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 there are about two corporations that own the entire world these days. Yeah. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, that, that's how we can, because I've been thinking because we're recording a little bit in the past and especially more in the past because we're double banking because I'm going away, blah, blah, blah. And I thought like, what are interesting ways we can time code? Just good for you to know when we're recording. So today is the day it was announced that Microsoft is buying Bethesda. Yeah. Um, possibly with the funds they had freed up to try and buy TikTok um, because uh, the deranged sex offender that leads the world didn't... Oh. Um, hey, I've, oh, here, like, we can have a political message, right? This will come out before um, the American election day. So I think it's really smart. If we've got any American listeners, I should say that like, all my heart, if you want things to get better in America, there's one thing you can do, which is... That is, uh, that is assassinate Donald Trump. <laughs> I recommend that you do that. I, I was going to go with a more serious but equal joking one, which is leave America. I want you to look around at America uh, and see what the rest of the world sees, which is uh, you're not in a state of aberration right now. It is you are at the end point uh, um, of an inevitable slide towards totalitarianism that started um, in the 50s and uh, leave America. America is the plate of sandwiches. You leave for the ants on your picnic. And that's the America segment. Uh, take that, America. Now back to the snowman. Oh, uh-huh, take that, the snowman. <laughs> um, there. <laughs> yes, like so. Oh, ha- ha- like, oh yeah, uh, yeah. No, the the what they look like. Oh, right, if you're yes, on AliExpress yes, yes. or Wish, is that uh, if you look at like computer tablets, there are lots of like you know ten dollars for cheap accessories you can encase your ipad or right, whatever yeah. in or your 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 samsung or whatever um your your huawei tablets presumably and they all are like i want to add a chin rest to it so i can put my hands or like a notepad slide for the same and it's like one of those it's right just, yeah, there's yeah. so much clutter it has this film was made in 2017 and they're like use this technology it's got a fingerprint scanner in it as if the majority of phones in the world did not have fingerprint yeah, scanners. But it's at got that like point. it's got like a giant clunky fingerprint yeah. scanner. Not one was like built in yeah. and looks good. Um and of course she uh sets it up to to spy on Just Kidding Simmons, mm-hmm. um, which means uh she puts a briefcase sized implement just on the edge of a bookshelf, just the most obvious thing. With with a giant camera on the back of it. <laughs> it, it it's um I'm beginning to feel quite embarrassed for this film because yeah. I think like the overwhelm and uh, and then there's a confrontation on the ice and of course because we've set up um, Michael Fassbender's gun in the first scene and we've later seen him retrieving it um, uh, and then there's this confrontation on the ice so of course there's only one way they can take out the snowman which is uh, which, which is uh, uh, which is Harry Hall finally activates his whole powers, <laughs> and Matthias uh, just randomly falls through the ice. Um, not since the Lovely Bones has an attempt to capture the idea that nature has a sense of justice and will balance itself um, been more badly executed. But like, for, to, like to be honest. Those bones were pretty lovely. Um, I. Oh, oh we, yeah. we, we, we should talk about like why Matthias is killing people. 
So yeah. he, so he, um, so he 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 works at this uh, pregnancy clinic yeah. to help like uh, couples who are having trouble conceiving. Yeah. But, but 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 this clinic also does abortions, and yeah. because uh, his mother. Uh, like as far as he sees, uh, let, let herself uh, let herself drown. Yeah. Uh, he blames uh, uh, he blames women uh, who he sees as abandoning their children, which includes women who have abortions. Yeah, and so he um, so all the women he've killed he's killed have been women uh, who have had abortions, usually uh, after cheating on their spouses. Um, and yeah, this is introduced and explored because um, they uh, one of the potential red herring guys is um, a sleazy abortion doctor who. Uh, we meet um, not wearing any shoes, his top button undone, yeah, so reclining he, he, on a chaise lawn. So he, he's a guy who like brings this like uh, this probably like uh, uh, he, he's on who uh, 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 who brings this like probably trafficked woman to to meet J.K. Simmons. Yeah, um, I mean uh, uh, l- 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 later on when when Harry Hall and and Rebecca and Rebecca Ferguson show up at his house, you see like, uh, you see like her like pleading face in a, in a window. Yeah. And you know, I just, I just wanted to bring up the sleazy abortion doctor mm. because never have I seen this Norwegian sleazy abortion doctor who like, there's a bit where he's talking to Rebecca Ferguson and just blatantly stares at, you know, downstairs. Um, her, her chest downstairs makes it sound like staring at her shoes. Right. Yeah. Um, and I never has something that I've never seen before immediately felt like a grotesque cliche. Like I was like, oh, of course, the lazy, and, and, sleazy abortion doctor. I've seen them. I've seen yeah. them. You know, you 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 can't, you can't enjoy pop culture anymore yeah. without without one of these bloody top button undone Norwegian abortionists they coming just, in and they don't wear shoes we get it we've seen it all before and then then yeah. then he falls through the ice and movies over there's um oh no well then we get uh, then we cut oh, to um then there's in, one in, more scene in, which in, is in the fight Michael Fassbender gets his finger cut off yeah who cares and um, then in the final scene uh, uh, it's revealed that he has a replacement finger and he takes on another case. But like, this is literally the scene, like cut to the, the snowman dies. Uh, then it's like, then, then Michael Fassman like lies down on the snow a bit. Yeah. And then like fade to black, fade back up. It's in the like police headquarters. Yeah. Uh, the like cases are being given out. He's sitting there tapping his new like plastic finger on the side of a yeah. coffee mug. Uh, in one of the uh, more irritating ticks in film history, yeah, and then the the police chief is like, "Oh, there's a new killer going around, and uh, people are saying we've never seen anything like it." And Michael Fassman puts up his new fake finger and says, "I'll take it." And, and like the thing, and then uh, wait one second and cut to black. Um, the thing, end of the movie, The Snowman, perfect credits. recreation. That's what it's like. The thing I want to stress is the scene as it occurs on screen is maybe a third of the length of your description yes. of it. It, uh, it, it genu- and, and I think it's a one um, or. No, I, I think it's it's a one of them. It's like the, the close up for his yeah. him um, raising his finger and saying. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, it's it's like once in a lifetime in uh, 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 um stop making sense start making pass I yeah as I was saying I'm beginning to actually feel quite bad for this film because it, it's blatantly unfinished hmm. um and it's blatantly unfinished in a way that um it, it's not ready for public consumption no in a way that like uh, uh, a a day the bits that they had 
at a what is it a day in the park no a day trip fuck come on a day in the country yes it's like at least the bits they have form a coherent narrative yeah yeah uh, and tell a story and like there, there's embellishments but they had the core of it um it feels like the snowman feels like yeah no the snowman feels like a film where they didn't shoot all of the script they heavily re-edited it they heavily re-edited it again and then they had to dub several of the lead actors for varying reasons from weird performances and changes of plot to a harrowing uh, dealings with throat cancer you mm. know and i like it's like it, it, it is a movie that i think like is exactly the sum of its parts well, it is like yeah. and like it's like no 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 parts of the movie come together and yeah. you can tell all the parts that were left out and yeah and i kind of think like this film would be really interesting to me if it was a leaked rip, you had to go onto the Pirate right, yes, Bay, yeah. or it was in 40 years when there's a box set of Alfredson's work from, you know, Arrow Films, mm. and, and it's a Blu-ray extra. Did you know this is The Snowman, the first time it's ever been released, because it, it wasn't finished. Right, yes, um, yeah. And it almost feels like the cruelest and worst thing about this film uh, is that capitalism said, we have put X amount of money into this, and so now we are going to ask people to pay money to see what is... Um, yeah. Mm. And it's not, it's like there are works that are deliberately unfinished and that's part of the aesthetic. Uh, um, and that like, that's great. And that works. This is not a part of that. This is a film whose aesthetic is aiming for like completeness. And by not having that, you know, mm. like imagine if 2000 AD had like, had not shot one of those sections where you didn't have the monkey stuff. No, that's a very bad example. Also, you called it the wrong thing. It's called 2001 A Space Odyssey. You called it 2000 AD, <laughs> which is the name of a, a comic the book. The comic book. Yeah. No, I'm... I'm, 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 I'm you're, just, you're just talking about all the monkeys in Judge Dredd. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, um, Halo Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all your other favorite uh, uh, 2000 AD characters. Yeah, the snowman. Shite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? It seems bad to even... But it's like we shouldn't even having to be considering yeah. it as a film. Yeah, I mean, like, it's like it's a cu- it's a curio, you know. Yes, earlier this year, um, or oh, and like late last year as well, uh, because twice I saw Cats, yeah. which also isn't a fully finished film. Yeah, but like, but like, I I would watch Cats, um, uh, and an infinite number of times before I watched this again. I yeah, I like. Did you know if you leave an infinite number of cats in a room, they'll produce the snowman? <laughs> um, I, I the. Th- and yeah, no. <laughs> if, if you leave an infinite number of cats in a room for an infinite amount of time with, with, with a with a, like a, a with an with an Aria Alexa, they'll, yeah. they'll produce the snowman. Oh no, because the, an infinite number. If you have an infinite number of cats, they will produce all different kinds of film. Like there, with an infinite number of cats, cats have produced um, the snowman, but it's all on Super Eight. You know, they there's a yeah. We've got we've got we've got a we've got a, a seventy millimeter roadshow version. Fuck! If there was an, an infinite number of cats, would make the film this wants to be, and I want to be like I would happily trudge through. I think a very smelly room of infinite cats. To, and I'd go past, you know, the ones that have written Shakespeare. <laughs> okay, so uh, here's 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 my impression of uh, uh, here's my impression of Michael Fassbender in this movie if he was played by a cat. Mm. <laughs> um, but like the thing Cats has going for it is that you can like while it is like 
less unfinished as just fundamentally wrong-headed in the first place. Like, you can see, when you see Cats, you are seeing the film that they intended but just a little worse than they wanted it to be. Yes. And yep. this, like the, the thing with the snowman is that no one involved in the snowman, um, wanted, th- wanted it to be this. Yeah. And like, I, I have to, unless like Thomas Alfredson's next film, if he get if he gets ever out of movie mm-hmm. jail, yeah. um, like he can't like, cause it was, cause the blizzards were terrible and they couldn't shoot. It was things like that. Oh, okay. Because, well, they only, they had something like, with a cast this good. I want to mention, James Darcy is in the film. Um, Like, who gives a shit about what character he plays or why? I just fucking love James Darcy. But anyway, I just want to give a shout out to my boy, Darcy. Um, uh, He gives the best performance in uh, the Marvel TV shows. He's Jarvis. Um, Anyway, in Agent Carter, check it out. Don't. What? Read a book. Um, Not a comic book. Read like Crime and Punishment. Now. Do, go. go. Okay, we are now going to leave a ooh, 100-hour gap, <laughs> boys. And you're back. How about that punishment, though? Yeah. It, it, it fit for crime. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, what yeah. is a crime? It, um, <laughs> but uh, with a cast, it wasn't, it's like, with a cast, it's good. You could only get all of those actors in that place. And because there are quite a few scenes where almost everyone is there. You just can't yeah. really tell um, because they're big party scenes. Um, and what and they could only shoot for 40 days and then there were like terrible blizzards. So they're like 40 days to shoot a film of like this length is like short but achievable. Yeah, yeah. But if it's suddenly like man, like lost in La Mancha on you, like that's, that's why I think just to return a detective Finn to the body um, of Thomas Alfredson is that I, I think in a perfect world, he could have made a good film, even with the script and this cast. Yeah, yeah. And it is that he, you know, sometimes you're just trying to do something and it absolutely falls apart and fails. Uh, and you can't blame yourself for that. Mm. Um, and sometimes you can. And I guess the person I want to blame the most is uh, God. Yeah, for no. allowing us to feel. Yeah. I, I, I I relate a lot to, you know, ro- the trope when you program a robot, and, and they get her and they're like, "Why did you program me to feel?" Or like, "Why would you make it so my heart can break?" And like that is, I would I would face God, and I would say, "Why did you build us in such a way that we could produce and then see the snowman?" I just don't think we need that within our makeup. Yeah, and and God God would 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 look at you. Yeah, and uh, he he would say, oh, "Fuck um, uh, that's, that's a good one." Uh, no, 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 no one's asked me that before. <laughs> uh, you, you know what? You, you know what? You feel? You're you're the first person who's seen the snowman to actually get to heaven. <laughs> All the rest of them went to hell. Oh yeah. Um, welcome to the uh, Good Place fan cast. It's called the Okay Place, the Good Place. It's, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, are we in the? Oh, let's take a moment just for more TV anger from Yutha, a section that was cut from pre earlier <laughs> in this episode. People recommending the good place to people, um, being like, "Hey, watch the show. It's a good place." There's a real big twist in the first season. Uh, is 
immediately telling (laughs) the person you're recommending it to the what the twist is. You might as like, and you'll notice these are the same people who are like, you should see Arrested Development. And then when you see Arrested Development, you're like, this is not funny because the people who recommended it to me have said all of these jokes to me out of context. (laughs) Um, It's very much like you're going to the TV fridge, opening Netflix, you get a bag marked Arrested Development out of it and you look in it and say, well, I don't know what I was expecting. (laughs) Um, Oh no! The the, the gonna make a so, joke. I was going to make a joke. Have the the stand of all the jokes secretly hidden in the walls is burnt down. <laughs> uh, there, there's jokes in. There's always jokes in the banana stand. Yeah. Um. Uh, hey guys, it's the first week, first full week uh, of October when you're listening to this, uh, and that means uh, the last week of October at Bats Theatre in Wellington. I'm uh, doing a week long season of my live live performed. Uh, radio drama podcast called The Witching Hours. Um, it's great fun. Um, I've been looking at the scripts today. Man, they're so funny. I'm quite annoyed I did not write any of them. <laughs> um, they're scripts by other people. I love them. They're stars, people like Johnny Potts and Amon Myra. And I, w- if you're in Wellington, I'd love to see you there. And if you're not in Wellington, uh, you can still listen to the show. Um, it's at thewitchinghours.com. We're putting up old episodes. Uh, uh, please check it out. Um, that, that's my self plug for this week. Oh, I also, uh, I watched Fantasy Island and, and it's, it's a good, charming two hours with, with like Michael Pena and Portia Doubleday, two of the finest actors <laughs> from some of the great work out there. We know Michael Pena from so many brilliant things in Crash and of course mm. Portia Doubleday from, mm. uh, to pick it, just a one thing. She missed a robot. She's, I was going to say better off Ted. That <laughs> sitcom she was on for a while. Yeah. Sorry, I got the people confused. When you see Portia Doubleday, I was thinking of Portia de Rossi. Oh, uh, right. It's a different yeah. person. You would, of course, know Portia Doubleday uh, from a movie Youth and Revolt with Michael Cera. She's good in that. She's good in uh, Fancy Island. And most importantly, she's good in Mr. Robot. <laughs> uh, so where can people find you, Finn? Who cares? You can find the show on Twitter yeah. at, uh, at ShiteSoundPod. You can email us at ShiteSoundPod at gmail.com. Movies are good. Even bad ones, go watch them. Imagine that with most films. I like to imagine that with uh, eight femmes. Uh, that's uh, that's the twelve only. angry broads. <laughs> twelve angry broads. Um, uh, uh, um, oh, like, uh, there, there is, Hurricane Bianca. <laughs> there, there is absolutely a like studio executive in, yeah. in the fifties who like. Oh, what are we doing? Twelve angry broads, huh? I mean, yeah. What were like? 12 Angry Women, the film, could just be about any 12 women. And to be clear, that's because the world is terrible and they're justifiably angry, you know?